Welcome to Double Fries No Slaw. It's Sunday night. We're finally into May. I can't believe that a third of the year is already done. TJ Pinger alongside Richie Barnes. Richie, how you doing tonight? Doing well, man. It was a nice, uh, fun, relaxing weekend. I actually won some money on the Derby. Shout out Medina Spirit. Uh, came through for me. Uh, so yeah, it's been a pretty good weekend. Doing the uh, doing the bourbon podcast is definitely a uh, a blessing and a curse because I just bet on the the bourbon or the <laughs> names with like the horses with the name of bourbon in them, and I was like, oh, well, they they. I mean, this is my good luck charm. But one of them finished six. The other one, not such a great day. So anyway, congrats to you. Yeah, good weekend for sure. Um, We've got an exciting guest on that we'll get to in just a moment, but want to remind you as always, Double Fries No Slaw brought to you by Guthrie's. You can visit both their Tallahassee locations at 1818 West Tennessee Street and 2550 North Monroe. Make sure you get your box, Double Fries No Slaw. Tell them we sent you. Exciting guest tonight. I'm excited. We've been on the the guest parade, the FSU coaching uh, parade, but we have FSU beach volleyball coach, uh, head coach Brooke Niles on with us this evening. Coach, thanks for taking some time. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Yeah, no, we uh I've been I've been hitting up our people that I wanted to have you for a long time. And so glad that we were able to finally make it work. I know you guys are super busy. I know you guys play like a million matches every weekend. <laughs> so uh, but I've had a little bit of a break and we'll uh we'll jump right into it. Um Got a big got got some got some things popping this weekend. Uh, FSU <laughs> just announced tonight as the number three overall seed at the NCAA Women's uh, Beach Volleyball Championship. Uh, Stanford number six will take them on uh, Friday, right uh, yep. at noon. And then, as it happens, there's a winner and a a winners bracket and an elimination bracket. A lot like um, you know the the softball World Series or the baseball World Series. So. Play again on the seventh, then play again on the eighth, and hopefully the ninth and the tenth, right? Uh, which is when the championship is. So, um, talk to us about that. Talk to us about um, this year's team, about going back to Gulf Shores again. Um, yeah, it's a lot. Um, <laughs> this year's team is interesting because half the people on the team we weren't expecting to come back because they all were kind of those COVID seniors that everyone's talking about. Um, that came back after getting an extra year of eligibility after our season last year was canceled um, about three weeks in. So we have some really great freshmen that uh, we had one of the best recruiting classes that I've ever had. And then plus we had all of our seniors return, all of our starters return except for one. And then we got some really key transfers. So we almost have this like super team right now of um, players that either I've been recruiting for a long time or working with for a long time. So it's kind of really exciting to see our potential, but having said that, there's a lot of other teams that are really good too. So, um, and Stanford, actually my old assistant coach and my good friend that actually she coached me when I played professionally is the assistant coach at Stanford. So I knew we would play them first round. Um, I just had a feeling and we know each other really well. She knows our players really well. And um, so I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, coach. Um, obviously, you know, 2016, you guys were the national runner up 17, fourth place, 2018 runner up again at sixth place and 19. Um, like you mentioned, last year was canceled. You guys have been so close. I feel like you're just knocking on the door right now, ready to get that national championship. What makes this team different that can hopefully push us over the edge and, you know, win that national championship for Florida State? I mean, yeah, we have been really close. Um, it's just about building that culture of excellence and that we expect to be there. Uh, I have a player on my team that actually was there during our first national championship. Um, and Or no, she was there during the second one. So I have a lot of players that have been in the program and seen this championship culture and experienced what Gulf Shores is like. The format is a little bit different. The year we lost in 2018, we had actually come through the winner's bracket and then once you get to the finals, it's single elimination. So the team we lost to, we were actually both had one loss during the uh, the tournament. We just happened to lose at the wrong time. <laughs> so just experiencing that and having to beat good teams more than once is kind of this whole group that we have is really comfortable in those settings. Um, and plus, we have a really good transfer in Tori Van Winden from Cal Poly. And she's a very high-level beach volleyball player, has a lot of experience on the international tour as well. So I think all of that combined just makes us a really dangerous team. Um, and I'm, I'm just excited. I love this time of year. Yeah, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, but 
obviously this team is special that, you know, the, the program you've built with five straight CCSA championships, um, ranked number three in the country right now, this team really has that chance. And, uh, you know, I, I know you just touched on it a little bit, but I'm just excited to watch them and see, cause now obviously with ESPN and everything, you can watch any college championship. Um, but to be able to have a chance to watch this team and just talk about the success you've had in the program, like I said, five straight conference titles, that's, that's pretty impressive. Thank you. It was hard to do. (laughs) Um, I believe it. (laughs) Yeah, it's not easy. I mean, I think for beach volleyball, especially, it's considered a West Coast sport. And when I moved, I'm from the West Coast. So when I moved out to Florida State, I was like, why is everybody saying that? You know, like, no, we can be good here and and we're going to build something. And they were already really good when I got here. Just a couple different um, culture things that we need to get through. But um, we just have a lot of depth and I believe in competition and competing for everything. Um, and you know, not that you're promised a spot, like you're constantly grinding it out every practice and competing against your teammates. And, um, and just, I think that brings out the best in people, at least the people, the types of people that we try to recruit. Um, and they really want to work hard. They, they grind things out even when it doesn't feel good. I think half of our conference championships were in the pouring rain, um, to where the ball gets heavy and things are just a little bit different and they just refuse to lose. So I'm just happy to be a part of this program and I consider myself sort of a facilitator. Like I just try to recruit these good athletes and we have a great coaching staff and I try to give them all the tools to be a top level athlete and then let them like kind of go and like go with it and perform and, um, and do all that fun stuff. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm kind of just anxious to get going to be honest and just see how we do, because I think it's a great moment for our athletes to be on national television Um, the venue at Gulf Shores is unbelievable. The format is really exciting to watch because it's the first to win three duels. And then once somebody wins this big horn blows and everybody else's games kind of stop. Um, so there's just that level of intensity that you don't really get, um, in the regular season. Um, 2016, when you first started, uh, at FSU was a, obviously a pretty special year. Again, we talked, you guys made it and and finished second. You also were named the AVCA coach of the year. And I know you've talked a lot about your team and a lot about your players, but I want to focus on you for just a moment. Um, Florida states, we had coach Sue on right. And on, uh, on Thursday night um, and Florida state has just had, I mean, I'm going to run down some of them. I mean, Bobby's legacy is obviously just unprecedented, right. Mm-hmm. A- amongst all sports. Um, you know, Mike Martin winning 40 games in 40 years, Lonnie and Mark winning, national championships. We talked about coach Sue and coach ham who've both been on building powerhouses. Um, but for a coach to come into FSU and win the coach of the year in their first season is, is pretty special, right? Um, what did it, what did it mean to you to come into a place of just absolute powerhouse coaches and just immediately submit yourself as like, Hey, maybe I, maybe I haven't been here as long, but maybe I belong too. you know, like how neat was that? It's awesome because they're all really great people. And Lonnie actually came to dinner with me on my visit for my interview. And I just got to like kind of pick their brains about how they run their programs and everybody runs their program really different. Um, like I think Lonnie is a little bit more fun. Some of the other coaches are a little bit more strict and, and it helped me like find the balance. This is my first head coaching job. I never had a head coaching job. Um, I coached an assistant indoor when I was pretty young, just fresh out of college. And then I played professionally myself. Um, for 13 years. So I kind of just didn't really have a lot of guidance. So I tried to pick everybody's brains a little bit and just figure out how I wanted to do this program my way. And it may be not <laughs> the best way at times, but um, I feel like it's what I'm comfortable with and I'm being like my authentic self. And, and really, I just was trying to keep up with everybody else. I'm really competitive, if I'm being honest. And I think when I was hired, that was one of the questions they kept asking me, like, how competitive am I? I think it was maybe a little red flag. Like they were like, whoa, this girl is really competitive. We don't know if we want that here, but I think it's, that's where my outlet is, is like, I'm trying to compete. Like Lonnie is such a great example and her team is always in the top and, um, and Mark, I mean, it's amazing. I can't wait to see their run um, at the NCAAs this year. And so I was just trying to keep up with them really. And the competitive person that I am, I just didn't want to be last <laughs> yeah. amongst my peers. So 
Um, but yeah, they, they push me to be better and they're so helpful. Like anytime I had a question, I could call any one of them. And I, I don't know, like I came from smaller schools where it's like, you didn't really talk to the basketball coach, you know, he was kind of too big time for you. And Leonard comes to all our coaches meeting and sits in the front row taking notes, you know, and that's such a big time move by him, I think, to just be a part of it. And, and it, it really is a family here. And I feel like I could, you know, lean on them a little bit when I need some help. And I have in the past, so I can't take all this credit like they've all been great mentors for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, you, you mentioned it, you had a, a pretty spectacular playing career. I mean, at some point I'd love to get you on and just talk about that. But, um, <laughs> what, what was the, what was the highlight of your playing career? I mean, you won so many tournaments and, um, events and different things, but like, what was the highlight of your playing career? If we take it back to that. Uh, well, I didn't win too many tournaments. It was hard. Missy and Carrie were like the top team in the world for a really long time <laughs> and they beat everybody. Um, and I think I started winning a few when they were having babies and maybe took a few. <laughs> um, but I'll take them. I mean, it's hard to win anything. Um, so um, I think the best part for me was um, just traveling internationally and playing on the world tour. Um, I met my husband that way and just experiencing different cultures, playing at a really high level was something that I really enjoyed. And um, something I love about sports is one day you can feel like you're playing the best at the top of your game and you're working really hard. And then the next day you lack confidence and um, you feel like you're not playing very well and you can't get a win and just trying to climb that way back up and, and you know, test your resiliency and your grit yourself. I, I just love that part of it. Um, and then the travel and all that stuff was bonus on top, but it's just a great sport. Um, it's fun to watch. The people are super, um, inviting and, um, it's, it's just like a family feel, especially when I traveled with USA volleyball and the other American athletes. Um, it's just different than other sports. It's not super serious. And the lifestyle I think is, is just a really great lifestyle. So that was really fun. And I wish I was still playing, to be honest. My husband is still playing, so I kind of live through him. Um, but I don't think my knees will let me do that anymore. Uh, so the next next thing is trying to coach, I think, because it still keeps me involved in the game. And I'm able to use my brain a little bit more than my athleticism that I completely don't have anymore. But, um, yeah, it, it's just, it was a fun time in my life. But this next chapter is really fun, too. Um, the I mean, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's the perfect follow-up. I was going to ask, how does it compare? And I was told to like ask about your husband, but I'm not asking again. We'll get you back on. I will, but like this is your moment to shine. So like we we won't ask about him today. Um, how does uh how does winning a big tournament as a player and a coach like you guys won mass? You guys have won so many massive games at Florida State. So how does how does it compare like when you're out there playing and then when you're a coach that like wants the players to like win so badly, you know, as part of your team? I mean, listen, TJ, winning is winning. Winning is, <laughs> there's almost nothing better than winning. I'm going to say my wedding and the birth of my children were the better days. Than winning. <laughs> I mean, it gets, it's pretty good no matter what it is. And, um, you know, I think, the culture of our program is everybody, it's not just my program, it's our program. Um, my assistant coaches are amazing. I, I call them co-coaches, to be honest. Um, and we have a lot of athlete input. Like our coaches are running conditioning with the players. We're in the weight room with them. Um, there's just a ton of buy-in. So I feel like we feel like we're a big part of it too. And it's fun to see um, the growth of our players and see them experience the lows and the highs. I mean, this last year and a half has been so challenging for everybody and it's just been a crazy year. Um, I feel like I'm sometimes more of a psychologist than a coach, um, <laughs> which I'm not trained to be at all, but um, it's kind of cool to see them navigate through that and be back like on the top. You know, we were on the top last year. We had the best record in the country by the time the season ended and to just go through that disappointment and then see them bounce back, like, and have these big wins and um, winning conference championship was the most amazing feeling. Cause it came down to like the last two games, both went 15, 13 and the third. Um, so to just see them experience that is really fun. And I can't, I mean, I love every win. <laughs> There's not one probably that's better than any of the others. It's, it's all awesome. Coach uh, TG and I are, are both boosters and we're 
always preaching to everybody sign up. It, it, it makes a big, big difference. And, you know, a lot of people, they hear booster, they think, oh, yeah, we're supporting the football program or maybe the basketball program. But they maybe don't realize just how far those dollars go when it comes to sports like, you know, beach volleyball. Just talk about what the what the booster sport means to your program and your student athletes. Oh, it's huge for us. I mean, I think my overall budget, um, maybe compared to like a football budget is probably pennies in the bucket, but, um, we, you know, we need everything we can get with, to building our facilities. I mean, helping our student athletes, um, you know, this year is more challenging than others because of the budget cuts with COVID. So the fact that you guys are boosters is amazing. And I, I wish next time you have to have some of my student athletes on your show, because when you meet them, you're going to see how amazing they are. And I just think, how could you not give to these young women that I have uh, computer engineers on my team. Um, I have a nursing student who was doing night shifts all week for five weeks and then coming to practice and never complaining once. Um, I have uh, like pre-med students and I think half my team has 4.0. So to do that and to do a sport where you're, none of them are on full scholarship um, and, you know, we're trying to fundraise and do all this stuff. And we're so thankful for all the giving. But um, it's just like, it's really cool to be around them and see how far your dollars go and just providing these student athletes with opportunities to be these amazing people and accomplish all these wonderful things. Because I think being a student athlete in college is one of the best things ever. And um, it goes by really fast. Like that four or five years goes by really fast. So they appreciate every moment and we, we really probably wouldn't have a program without booster help. Um, I'm definitely down to get them on. Hopefully like a victory, like well, let's do this again next Monday night. Um, like a victory. I think we can get like <laughs> 10 or 15 people on here. So just send everybody a link and, and we'll roll with, we'll roll with it. Um, next week. Um, all right, I'll ask you this and, and then we'll get you out of here. And I, I again, I appreciate your time so much, but, uh, we, we ask a lot of, Again, we've asked a lot of people that have been around Florida State this question. Um, we asked Mike Martin Jr. We asked uh, Brooke Wyckoff when she was on. We asked uh, Lonnie and we asked Sue and just all these people. But I, I'm interested to get your answer um, because you haven't been around as long. But what is it? What is it? What is like just Florida State in general, like the family, the just the atmosphere, just everyone. What does being at Florida State mean to you? I know that's loaded. I know that's yeah. a lot. <laughs> well, if I'm being honest, um, I'll be honest. This is like the truth right now at 830, 845. Um, <laughs> but uh, when I took this job, you know, I'm California girl, born and raised there. I always I went to UC Santa Barbara, which is a beautiful campus. And I, I took this job as I felt like it was a stepping stone to move back. And then I came here and I met the people and the administration, like, put so much time and energy into beach volleyball when you had all these other sports that were doing really well and they didn't just add it to add it. They added because they wanted to be really good and they wanted to win and everybody had the same passion that I had. And so, you know, after like a month or two, I was like, I don't think I ever want to leave this place. Um, and it's just like infectious and contagious. And, um, you know, it, mean, it means a lot to me and my family. My husband went to Florida State. I know we're not talking about him, but um, <laughs> he always felt like he would be back in Tallahassee. And my kids love it. And it's so cute that they know the fight song, like, in their two-year-old <laughs> classes at school. And, um, yeah, and just being around so many people that treat you like you are a part of their family. And you're on a first-name basis with everybody in the athletic department. And then also they want what's best for your program is kind of, it's very rare in this world of collegiate athletics and I'm very lucky to be where I am and I'm not leaving. So <laughs> that's what it is to me. Yeah, no, we're glad to, when you said you were going to be honest, I was like, Oh, I'm going to get in trouble for whatever said here. I'm going <laughs> to, but I'm, no, I'm glad that uh, we're glad you're here and, and yeah, we don't, we don't want you to leave either. So, um, hey, best of luck this weekend. We will be tuning in and watching. I've got it all like set up, ready to watch on Friday afternoon and then hopefully through the through the rest of the weekend. But we're super excited for you and, and best of luck and go Knowles. Thank you so much. Go Knowles. Go Knowles. Thanks, Coach. <laughs> Brooke Niles of FSU Beach Volleyball, the head coach. Um, man, she was great. I'm excited for this weekend. I watched – I man – I complained about that a lot back in 2018 too, how that we didn't have to 
it was, I mean, all of Twitter, you know, have you Twitter gets, yeah. but like all of Twitter was just like, this is such bull. Like how in the world does the, and that's not like that in any other sport where the, the team in the coming from the elimination bracket wouldn't have to win too, but I'll get off that soapbox. Let's just get some redemption this weekend. And uh, no, I'm super, super excited for them and uh, ready for the tournament. There's a lot going on. She mentioned soccer. Soccer got their first win um, on Saturday. Uh, and now they're in the sweet 16. So they are just a couple of wins away from that championship. Uh, hopefully bringing another one in Tallahassee tennis, women's tennis starts this weekend. And then the golf programs get rolling here in a moment as well. Baseball, softball are wrapping up their season. So there's a lot, a lot going on in Tallahassee, a lot of news. So Richie, another event that took place this weekend was the NFL draft. How did, uh, how did our Knowles do this week? Yeah. And, and it was, a. Uh... Not so friendly reminder that, you know, Florida State has been lacking talent for a little bit now. Um, and we still are. But, you know, the bright spot, one guy who even during this terrible stretch that we've seen, uh, uh, you know, on the football field the past few years, Asante Samuel, he, he's he been a it's no surprise, you know, being the son of a former all pro. But he's been a pro since he's been in Tallahassee, always done the right thing, never got in trouble. Um, very technical, like the guy. He, He's going to be a really good corner, I think. If he was 6'1", 6'2", I think he's a first-round pick, but he went in the second round. Um, we saw Janoris Robinson and Joshua Kando, a couple defensive ends, go in the fourth round. Hanson Nazardine went in the sixth round, and that was it for Florida State, just showing again, you know, the this roster needs a, a serious, you know, influx of talent. Um, most notably was probably the undrafted guys, you know, Tamari and Terry and Marvin Wilson, neither one picked in the draft. Uh, I think uh, Terry signed with the Seahawks and Marvin Wilson signed with the Browns. So we'll, you know, wish them the best, but a little surprising. They did not get picked um, and almost equally surprising that J Rob, but you know, went in the fourth round, right? Yeah. I was super happy for him, man. I didn't know a lot about that kid before they did the special on um, game day back when the hurricane came through, but a kid that I just absolutely just cheered my butt off for, you know, I think anytime they they personalize it and they kind of make a, you know, give you a story about the kid behind. I mean, they're all just kids, right, playing sports. But when you when you can kind of learn a little bit more about them and you hear about some of the things they, you know, may have gone through, I, I was so happy for him. Um, going to Minnesota, is that right? Um, yeah, yeah, Minnesota. Going to play with, uh, play with, Dalvin, with the yeah. best running back in the league. Dope. So, yeah, so that's exciting for sure. I'm sure he's thrilled about that. Um I don't know if he's thrilled about practicing against him, but I'm sure he's thrilled <laughs> to be on, on the team with him. So, um, yeah, but as far as Wilson and, and Terry, you know, they had some off the field stuff that maybe doesn't, isn't too shocking that, uh, that would make them fall. But they also, um, you know, I saw some reports and I saw some kind of guys talking about it that, you know, they, they just didn't know how effective they were going to be because of how they, you know, how they played in college, right? Like Terry was kind of a go route or nothing kind of guy struggled with hands at times. And then Marvin was never really the difference maker that, that we kind of thought he would be, um, you know, at FSU. So anyway, it, I wish them the absolute best. Um, Marvin didn't get a bad deal there in Cleveland. So he um, made more than some of the people got. Drafted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. He definitely, he, there was definitely a bidding war for him, but um, you know, best of luck to, to all the guys that they're now, in the league, whether drafted or undrafted, uh, coming out of Florida State, would would obviously like to see all of them do well, and you know, even the rivals and stuff. Like once the college colors come off, I I, I want people to do well. So, um, I will. Uh, I'll. Uh, we have a special guest, kind of a surprise announcement here. I'll add him Harlan, so you don't have to. But we had him on a few weeks ago, uh, a few months ago, a few weeks ago. It's been a little while now. 2013 national champion, uh, criminal defense attorney, and NFL agent, Paul Aloisi. Paul, how's it going? Man, I'm just excited to be back on here. Thank you guys for having me, and uh, it's been a fun weekend. Yeah, you are, uh, you're jumping up there with the likes of like Mike Martin and Michael Alford and all these like returning guests. So like don't like put that on your resume next time. You oh, know, like on <laughs> NFL teams on this because, <laughs> as compared to my player stats. Honestly. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Well, we had I wanted to get Paul on just really quickly um, to just kind of talk about you had some guys that have now signed 
with different teams in the NFL. And we'll we'll run through them real quick. I want you to tell me about them. We'll go one at a time. But Xavier Kelly, maybe a, a name that's familiar to FSU uh, fans, defensive tackle who won two national championships with Clemson, finished up at Arkansas, signed with Baltimore. Tell me about Xavier. Yeah, so Xavier is just a big, big athletic kid. I mean, you know, he – Measurable wise, about 6'5, 306. And I mean, he was a state champion basketball player in high school and still, while being over 300 pounds, can still dunk a ball at the drop of a dime. So, I mean, he's a freak athlete and obviously playing at Clemson early on in his career behind so many first round picks. Um, you know, he got the big game exposure, that big game experience by being there. But he wanted the opportunity to really showcase his skill sets, which is why he finished up his career over at Arkansas and, uh, you know, was able to really showcase his talents, his athletic ability, his versatility up on that defensive front. Um, And then unfortunately, right before pro day, he did hurt his hamstring. So he wasn't able to showcase all of his skills, which I truly think if he had been able to run that 40, might have slid him into becoming a drafted player. But uh, he's one of those priority free agents that we agreed to a deal with Baltimore you know, just a few minutes after the draft. So I'm ecstatic to be his agent, but, you know, even more excited that we were able to get him in a, in a good position for him to make that 53-man roster come the fall. Absolutely. So second up, number two, uh, we had Deontay Ruffin, a cornerback who played at Western Kentucky, picked off Zach Wilson uh, during <laughs> the year. Also uh, signed, he signed with Chicago, going to the Windy City. Tell us about Mr. Ruffin. Yeah, Deontay is a really a special kid. Um, you know, he was second in the NCAA, I believe, in class deflections this past year. And obviously, as you just stated, had a big interception against Zach Wilson, who was, you know, quickly becoming uh, behind Trevor Lawrence, one of the marquee players of this draft. Um, I actually had an opportunity to see Zach Wilson play against UCF in the bowl game. And I mean, he was lights out throwing the ball. So, you know, for Deontay to have that on his resume and to be one of the things that NFL scouts and front office personnel were able to see going into this weekend, I think was really important. Um, you know, multiple teams were reaching out about him, especially after his pro day. He had a great pro day. And I actually traveled up to Western Kentucky for that pro day. It was one of the few that us agents and families could actually attend in person. So I got to see him perform. I knew a lot of teams were interested. And then, um, you know, even I'll be honest, I thought he was going to a different team. Um, but Chicago really came in strong uh, towards the end of that draft. And I had some good relationship with scouts up there. So we were able to get that deal done. And, um, you know, I, I, they're really looking at him to play that nickel position up there. And, you know, he can play in the box. He can, he can play man coverage. So I'm expecting him to really, really be able to not only make a name on special teams as a rookie, but also hopefully in those nickel packages on the defensive front. So, Paul, I'm a Bucks fan. You know, the, the, the draft was very worry-free for me. I'm like, we're bringing everybody back, literally all 22 starters. doesn't right. matter what happens. Uh, but what are your guys? T.J. Simmons, you know, he played at Alabama as a freshman, ended up at West Virginia. Uh, he was the Liberty Bowl MVP in December, two touchdowns against Army. Signs with the Bucks, man. Tell me tell me what I'm getting here because I'm pretty excited. That, you know, I'm a yeah, big Bucks fan. We got one of your guys. Absolutely. Now, you're getting a big, strong physical receiver. Um you know, he's 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 over six feet tall, about six one, six two, uh, about two hundred and ten pounds, two oh five. You know, if he's cutting weight before having to run a 40. Um, but, you know, while being at Alabama, he had the opportunity to play on all those special teams as a freshman, which is really that kind of that right of pass, passage when you get to Alabama. Um, and then due to them bringing in, you know, just Heisman uh, winning Devontae Smith and, and first round pick after first round pick at wide receiver. You know, he made a decision similar to Xavier to even though he was good enough to play where he was at, he wanted to get more runtime on the field. So he uh, switched over to West Virginia, transferred over there and, you know, really was able to make an impact on the offensive side of the ball. And Tampa, you know, they're looking at him to contribute early on special teams due to his size, physicality and his ability to block and get downfield. He ran a low four five forty at the pro day. Um, some. Scouts, I believe, have him in the high 4-4, so he'll be able to be on kickoff or punt as a gunner. And again, you know, if they need to put him in a block, um, he's just kind of one of those jackknife players that can really do it all from a receiver position. Yeah, man. And one other guy you have, Noah Curtis, you're, you're working to get him either signed or to a rookie camp. Um, 
you know, tell me a, a team should definitely at least take a shot on this guy, right? He seems like he he can play. I think so. I mean, you know, his career at FIU, obviously the FIU program, you know, has has up and downs over the years, but him individually, you know, he has the size, he has the skill sets to, I think, at least get that opportunity in the league. And, you know, we were getting calls from multiple NFL teams over these last few weeks, and he participated in two different senior balls, uh, the Tropical Bowl in Orlando and the Hula Bowl out in Hawaii. And so he got his name out there to a lot of scouts. Uh, but as you guys saw, you know, it was just, you know, big time defensive linemen went undrafted yesterday. And so these guys who are at those smaller division one programs, we're just hoping like, you know, I talked to um, one NFL team today who has him on their short list. So as soon as someone goes down with an injury uh, or if someone just doesn't perform well at rookie minicamp, uh, I think he's going to get that opportunity. Speaking on that, the NFL has allowed five players to join teams for rookie minicamp this year, which is pretty big because a lot of guys didn't have an opportunity last year thanks to COVID. So that's over 150 guys that that then get that opportunity. So hopefully not only him, but just a lot of these guys can kind of get that opportunity to kind of showcase their skills. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, prior to COVID, teams would genu generally bring in about, you know, anywhere from 15 to 25 players for rookie minicamp. Uh, and what that does is, like you said, it gives these guys an opportunity to showcase their skills in front of other rookies and other comparable talents actually earn that contract back for fall camp. Uh, but yeah, with COVID last year, you know, they took such few numbers of priority free agents and undrafted free agents and then again, completely wiped out rookie minicamp. So hundreds and hundreds of players from last year's draft class just did not get the opportunity that some of these guys are going to hopefully get over these next two weeks. Um, the NFL has instructed that teams can have their rookie mini camps the 8th through the 10th or the 14th to the 16th weekend. So uh, I know TJ's getting ready to come down for the Bucks. I think he has to report on the 12th, and then he'll be following up with rookie mini camp uh, that 14th or 16th weekend. So I'll be heading down there to see him in Tampa um, and you know, hopefully get to some good information, some good feedback on what it's like to be out there with the Super Bowl champs. Um, if you need a, if you need an escort, uh, while you're in Tampa, <laughs> like to drive you around or whatever, just let me know. Um, but if not like hit me up, let's grab a beer or I, I think I'm coming up at the end of the month or beginning of next month. If we host a host a regional. So okay, uh, we'll, we'll definitely get together. Speaking Absolutely. of that, speaking of that, you've got a big call with the NFL PA tomorrow, not just you, but like a lot, I'm sure a lot of guys, to, um, right help with the rookies and their agents to discuss kind of some conflicting ports. Can you talk reports? Can you talk to us about that a little bit? Absolutely. So, you know, the NFLPA, as it stands for the NFL players association is always out here to make sure they're looking out for the best interest of the player. And likewise, us agents are really underneath that NFLPA umbrella as we're always the mouthpiece and supposed to be advocating on behalf of the players. Uh, you know, last offseason was a little bit easier for us since it was across the board, just everything's virtual. No one's coming into the facilities until we figure everything out. So that was how it was last year. It was a virtual offseason. Players were in charge of their own workouts. Um, teams would send them, you know, little heart monitors, uh, different things like that, just to make sure that they were able to track their workouts. Uh, but it was still down to the players to find out where they're going to train. But what happened a few weeks back was the NFL actually came out with their official rules for phase one, two, and three of the OTAs this offseason. And, you know, it, there's voluntary in-person workouts. And as you guys all know, and what I've told my players, you know, if something was voluntary for me as a walk-on at Florida State, it wasn't really voluntary. It was mandatory. <laughs> I had to be there. I, you know, and like, like these priority free agents, it's, you know, if there's voluntary workouts and you have an opportunity to be around other guys on the roster and other veterans and and different, you know, personnel within the organization, you know, I, as an agent would always encourage them to do that. But, um, you know, the NFLPA has sent out several emails to us agents. And I know corresponding with current guys who were in the NFL last year and still under contract to basically boycott uh, these voluntary in-person workouts and make a stand for this virtual off season. Because as you guys saw, it was effective last year. They're able to do their team meetings. They're able to watch film and they're still able to stay in shape and show up to camp. So, you know, it's, it's been tough having to answer these questions to my players of when they're going to be home when they can have, you know, a celebratory party with their family. And, you know, one of my players, Xavier is getting married this summer. So he's trying to navigate around that. Um, 
And that, that's why I'm excited for this call tomorrow to get a little bit more instruction on exactly uh, what these teams and what these players of these teams are expecting and what they're actually following through and doing in regards to somewhat boycotting these voluntary in-person workouts. Yeah, I do a, uh, I do a podcast with um, another gal. Her name's Allie. And that was her when we started talking about this because the Broncos did it and the Bucks said they were going to. Uh, that was her first comment, right? Her husband played. Uh, I don't. I actually think he just went to some mini camps. I don't know if he ever played any games in the NFL, but then he played in the XFL or uh, the Canadian Football League, not the XFL. Um, but that was her first thought because she'd been through it and gone through it. I never thought about that when I saw the Bucks opt out. I was like, ah, oh, whatever. They're still going to be favored to be in the Super Bowl, right? They're only behind the Chiefs in Vegas odds. But for the for the rookies that um, are trying to make a team. It's right. it's kind of a detriment to them. Like it's not good for for these rookies and stuff. So yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to kind of like hear hear what comes out of that call. I'll have to get you back on, man. You'll be leading the pack if we get you back on. I'm gonna have to wait a minute for, for that. But no, I. <laughs> it's gonna be the Paul Aloisi show. Uh, what I'm excited to hear from you as to as to what comes out of that for sure. Um, I'll ask you this and we'll get you out of here, man. I appreciate you quick notice coming on here and, and talking oh, about cool. your guys, but um. Thoughts on FSU through the spring? I know we had you on before the spring, but tell me about uh, tell me about uh, FSU, man. I need some good news. So, <laughs> so I actually, unfortunately, was not able to attend the spring game this year. One of the first ones in a long time. I was a best man in a wedding, and as you can imagine, uh, this individual who I was the best man for did not attend Florida State undergrad, or I would have said it was blasphemy, <laughs> make me miss the FSU spring game. Um, but, you know, everything that I heard and the reports that I read from it, uh, it looks like we're taking a, a step in the positive direction. And I know that the uh, the team's kind of gearing up, uh, you know, for this offseason and, and kind of having some consistency now at the head coaching position. Um, and I think that's going to be big to have because, you know, these offseason workouts, too, is, you know, you, you can only have so much interaction in the offseason with the coaching staff. So it really comes down to these players having that camaraderie and the strength coaches having that camaraderie with the team, which now after a full year of being within this program um i really think is going to help our team kind of really sink and gel together for the fall yeah no i mean i'm excited for the season i'm 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 as cautiously optimistic as possible but uh, i'm definitely excited for the season i mean it's always a good time to get back up to tallahassee fun one first weekend you have to come tailgate with us for the uh for the oh, Notre Dame game yeah we're definitely doing something for that I think I said at one point we're gonna have church in the morning and then tailgate the rest of the day since it's kind of weird on a Sunday. But uh, but for real, hit me up when you're in Tampa, man. Let's let's get together and then, like I said, I'll be up early next month. So we'll. Uh, I will. That'll be great. And I know one, right when before I hopped in, you guys were kind of uh, chatting about some of these Florida State guys that went undrafted. You know, that just to put my two cents for whatever it's worth. Yeah. There, you know, I was pretty shocked to see some of these guys, like you were saying, Marvin Wilson. And Tamari Ontario, you know, go that undrafted free agent route. But it really was such a weird last few rounds of that draft where maybe in a normal year that wouldn't have happened. Um, but I still think that, you know, especially, you know, someone like Marvin on that defensive front, you know, I think he's definitely going to be in position to make the roster, whether he's drafted or not. Um, and you, I know you were saying, you know, he still got, I believe it was $130,000 guaranteed um, base salary bonus, which was great. And, how that works, just so you guys know, because you know, I know when I was coming into the agent game, it was it was new to me. Um, I had a player, Malik Henry, that first year with the 49ers, who had a seventy-five thousand dollar guaranteed base salary. And what happens is, you know, whether they're on that roster or on the practice squad by year's end, if they haven't earned that money, that's when the team will supplement that. So, you know, for these players that are are fringe and trying to make a roster. That really can be beneficial to them because whether they get cut or not, they're guaranteed to make that money. Um, even if they get cut and then sign with another NFL team, if that other NFL team only has them for one or two weeks and can't reach that guaranteed value, that original team, even though there's going to be an offset, still has to pay it out. So, you know, for Marvin and, and his agent, Nicole Lynn, to negotiate that, I think was huge for him. It's awesome. Yeah. And like I said, we, uh, Really, no matter what happens here, we we always kind of try and fly the the banner, the garden gold, man. So we end up cheering for him. 
I mean, unless they're like in the division, unless it's Jameis though, because like I'm all in on the Saints this year. So like, let's roll. He's like the one I'll break the rule for. So oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. And he's been he's been getting some positive covers at Kenny's camp down there about two weeks ago. So it was yeah. nice to see so many uh, former Knowles and former national championship teammates back together for it. Yeah, for sure. We had uh, it was either last week or the week before, but we had Antonor on, and so like we were chatting with him, and he's a ton of fun. Like he'd be, you know. Oh, I know you were around, but like he's just he's just always cutting up, man. So like he was a ton of fun to get on, and but I'm <laughs> I'm super excited to see um to see what Jameis looks like in this offense. You know, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun for sure. No, definitely. I love that you guys had Anthony on there. I mean, you can see where Jameis gets his personality from. <laughs> oh yeah, right. for sure. <laughs> um all right, man. Well, cool. Well, thanks for taking a few minutes and hopping on with us, man. I appreciate it. I know again it was last minute notice, but uh Oh, yeah. We'll catch up with you again soon for sure and keep us updated on everything going on. Sounds good, TJ Richie. Thank you guys as always. And uh, keep putting out that great content. I'll talk to you guys soon. Go Knowles. Go Knowles, Thanks, buddy. man. Go Knowles. Yeah. Paul Aloisi, thanks for letting me do that interview, Rich. I know that uh, that was kind of a last second thing, but it's cool to get like that agent perspective. You don't always yeah. kind of hear exactly what, what's going on. Um, we had Brooke scheduled, um, knew we were going to have her on. Had got her make got her confirmed, and then um, Paul and I were. Or I saw Paul talk about the the guys that he had signed on Instagram, and I just said like, "Hey man, jump back on. And let's talk about it tonight." So <laughs> pretty cool when you can just pull out the Rolodex and get like <laughs> NFL agents on the pod. They have like signing guys all the time. So while we're talking draft, we talked a little bit of FSU draft. We talked a little bit of um, draft with Paul. Let's talk this Bucks draft, and then let's. Uh, Let's move on from the NFL draft. But talk to you about this Bucks draft, Richie. I mean, I didn't pay much attention, to be honest. All like, right, let's just talk about round two, then. <laughs> let's just talk about round two. All go right, ahead, so- Go ahead and just – because I want you to go first. You are, like, you're the defense here. So justify this round two pick for me. I don't feel like I need to justify anything. I think – clearly, so Tom Brady and Bruce Arians uh, – I don't know if Brady's confirmed it, but Bruce Arians or Jason, like – Either one came out and said, hey, yeah, even Tom was on board. Get get Kyle Trask in here and let him take over. Brady's not going to be around forever, so we needed to get a quarterback, whether it's through free agency um, or in the draft this year. So I just I see it as a low-risk, high-reward potentially. It, it's not that big of a deal for me, man. It's like, okay, Kyle Trask, he put up good numbers in a you know probably the second-best conference next to the ACC. Um, just kidding, obviously. <laughs> But no, I, I I don't have a problem with it at all because they, they. I think it's a bad. I think it's a bad second round pick. Well, the so the, I, the I, Bucks were looking to take him at thirty two potentially and got him at what sixty two. Oh so thank God I, they didn't. I, I don't do have a problem with it. Like we have no immediate needs this year. We're bringing everybody back, so bring someone in who I could mean, potentially bringing, be a future. I don't know. We're bringing the top twenty two back, but like you can always use depth. Right, like he's not even going to be the second quarterback on the roster. No, no, you know, and so like you can always use depth at places. Somebody goes down. So yeah, we're bringing back the twenty-two starters, but like defensive linemen don't play every single play of the game. You know, offensive linemen get hurt a lot. We had pretty good injury luck last year. The secondary wasn't fantastic by any means. So you could always use like another cornerback. I just think it was a wasted pick with the second pick. He will never start meaningful games for us um he's not like the franchise yeah there's no way and you know i know that we have this theory that like by osmosis tom brady is gonna you know rub off on you know kyle trask and he's gonna be a great quarterback from him who is one good quarterback that ever learned under tom brady and went on to be a superstar ever there's not like there's none you know, I mean, and so like, was Jimmy Garoppolo not in a Super Bowl recently? I was Trent Dilfer in a Super Bowl. I mean, like that doesn't, you know, like you can't just say somebody was in a Super Bowl and like that gets the 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 list of Patriot of quarterbacks that Patriot the Patriots drafted after Brady became the starter: Rohan Davey, Cliff Kingsbury, Matt Castle, Kevin O'Connell, Zach Robinson, Ryan Mallett, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jacoby Brissett, Daniel Etling. Didn't Matt Castle go like 12 and four or oh, five one year with the Yeah. The year Brady went down yeah. with Brady's defense, which was top five. So I don't know. I just, 
they're just thinking that like he's going to rub off on Trask and that's going to make him gray. I mean, Kyle Trask was playing with two first rounders, the best tight end prospect in the last 30 years, right? Like since like shocking, right? So I don't know. I just, oh, I oh I'm saying, I, I don't think, I think it was a stupid pick. Do we need, did we need a difference maker? No. Could we have used depth? Yes. Like I just feel like Kyle Trask is not going to be on our roster in four years and we waste his second round pick. It's about as dumb as the Aguayo thing. Because at least Aguayo was like supposed to come in and be a difference well, maker. Uh, like you, about, you used a second rounder on a third stringer. Uh, I was that will never see the field this year. And the, the point is, man, Jason, the, like outside of Aguayo, he hasn't missed. Like uh, I'm perfectly fine with uh, you know taking him if, if that's what I he mean, thought. He missed this year in the second round. Well, you don't know that. You can say that. No, I'm telling fine. you, he did. I'm telling you, you, did. you still think the Lakers are going to win the finals this year. So I, I, I understand you have a confused sense of reality right now. Um, Yeah, I, I just don't, I don't know what to <laughs> tell you. Before, I'll tell you, though, before, I mean, you say as a missed, who did he, what, did he take the year off when we drafted Hargraves? And we moved up to draft Hargraves? Well, I mean. Did, oh, you know. he took that, did he take that year off? I, I think know. I think Maybe he was, was on PDO that day. I yeah, think he was on PTO so that day. light light hasn't missed, but he wasn't very good. <laughs> He's been hitting, man. He's been um, hitting it. We 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 don't win the Super Bowl without some of the acquisitions and draft picks he's had uh, in recent years. I mean, acquisitions, yes. Like he brought in Brady, but like draft the last few drafts. Devin have White. Been good. People laughed at us taking Devin White at number five, and I think you he know, turned out okay. You know where he did struggle is drafting offensive line. He's been terrible there until bringing. Yeah, Tristan Wirfs was terrible. I yeah. just said until bringing Wirfs in. No, so we, I don't we know. can I, never talk Bucks on this podcast. Well, I just don't. I, it's funny to me that we drafted a third stringer who will never take meaningful snaps on this team in the second round. Like the dumbest. Like teams behind us had to be looking at it and been like, "Dude, it's they're lucky that they're." Like they got Brady. So there were anyway, plenty I of just, mocks that had Trask as a first rounder. It's not a bad pick. I those were Gator fans. When, you're, when your quarterback is forty five years old, you you got to take somebody. Who, those were Gator fans mocking him. What other quarterback back. would you have taken there? I wouldn't. I wouldn't have taken a third string quarterback with my second overall pick when I've got Brady. Because here's the truth of the matter: like everyone took a pay cut to come back to Tampa this year. Yeah. You realize that as soon as Brady leaves, they're all gone. Right, like it will be a rebuild for the Bucks. Like you're not, unless like a Rogers or somebody else was able to come in like just immediately and fill that in. Oh no, like, we're going back to purgatory after this. Yeah, like, we, we know. And that. So, so I mean, you trust Kyle Trask without all those talent, without all that talent. You know, like come on, like he'll be gone just like everybody else. But because he'll be playing backup for somebody. I mean, we drafted a career backup with a second overall pick. Like just insane. So uh, that's my only take on that. I don't have any other takes outside of. I mean, that was just the worst pick. What's I don't even know what's next on the docket. You got me so worked up here. Yeah, so uh, this week, um, uh, it was a pretty interesting week with uh, sports fans and politics. Uh, you know, the name, image, and likeness deal that Governor DeSantis signed into law last year, they tried to amend it. They tried to slip it by it and put it back a year without telling anybody. Then we saw Mike Norvell, Mackenzie Milton, Cam McDonald, uh, Dan Mullen, and Manny Diaz got involved, all calling out the Florida House saying, hey, what are we doing here? We, we were on the forefront of this and we need to make sure this happens now or we're going to be left behind. And it looks like I haven't seen anything official yet. I don't know if you have, but it, it certainly seems like they're going to keep it July 1st this year where athletes will be allowed to get paid based on their name, name image and likeness. So a lot of Florida state athletes tweeting at president Thrasher. Obviously he spent a lot of time in Florida politics um, I think they made the right move here because that would have been a disaster if they had pushed that back a year for pretty much everybody involved in this situation in the state of Florida, right? Yeah, but mostly Florida State and second most of all Kyle Trask. Um, but yeah, like I think that it, we had Coach Sue on Thursday. If you haven't gone and yep. listened to that, definitely go check that interview out. She was absolutely fantastic. Also, the Rolodex of coaches that we've had on this podcast are, are pretty ridiculous. I don't mean to toot our own horn, but if I had a horn sound effect, it would definitely be going off right now. So, Harlan, can we get that worked on uh, horn sound effect for the next uh, for the next pod? But uh, we had Coach Sue on, and she talked about that. That's when the news broke was on Thursday morning, for Wednesday night, Thursday morning. And, um, it, yeah, it, everything looks like it's going to um, stay the way it was and stay on um, – 
in July of 2021. Um, so what happened was the amendment was kicked back. They flipped it back to the way that it originally was. That I don't think the law has been si- or the bill has been signed into law yet by the governor. But that's just because of the channels that it has to go back through. It was the weekend. Yep. You know, Governor DeSantis is not signing bills into law on Sundays. Um, he's probably tuned in watching our podcast. So, um, you know, give the man a break. He'll be back to doing a great job Monday morning, and hopefully, we'll get this cleared up and uh, good to go tomorrow. So yeah, good news there. Again, coach Sue was obviously very concerned about that when she was on as were all the coaches. She just happened to be on the podcast when we were, uh, when we were chatting about it. So hopefully some, some good news there because it was definitely worrisome um, at that point. Um, Next up, Doak Campbell remains the name of the stadium for now. Um, I don't really have a lot of thoughts on this. I think it's a hot button topic, so I don't really have a ton of thoughts. I know Richie wanted to get it uh, sponsored and get some money into the program, you know, I wouldn't have been opposed to that, but I don't really have a, a heavy thought one way or the other on this. I also don't want to get canceled because it's 2021. So Richie, any thoughts on uh, Joe Campbell remaining the name? At, uh, yeah. Kind of uh, like you said, I, I, I'm so indifferent about it, but if it meant we had a chance to get money for the school that we desperately need selling those uh, naming rights, I'm all for it. Um you know, I'm, I, I haven't done enough research on to the what the task force looked into and all of that stuff. So I, I don't really want to get into it too much. But I would have been all for cashing a check for Spank Stadium at Bobby Bowden Field. <laughs> I don't know if that one would have been coming or not. Maybe we should get her on the podcast and get everybody else on. So um, but it would be uh, that would have been a good one for sure. I'm going to go next. Uh, four star quarterback A.J. Duffy commits to Florida State, uh, joining Nico Marquial. As um, blue chip QB recruits, uh, Nico picked up an offer from West Virginia and posted that on social media. So, congrats to both of those guys. Um, Duffy probably uh, uh, we Nico was a big fan. We we had him uh, chopping with us at the game and stuff like that. Uh, Duffy maybe a slightly um, more talented, but both really good blue chip quarterbacks. Happy to have him. Uh, in the class any thoughts there two two blue chip qb recruits no, nobody's gonna complain yeah. about that and and what's wild is there was another blue chip mj morris who is kind of hanging out like norvell said hey we, we like you but we kind of like this stuffy guy better and they got duffy so mike norvell got his top two quarterback commits um it's 2021 i i would not be shocked no inside information whatsoever but I would not be surprised if Marquio decided to look elsewhere, even though we talked about it with Brendan Sonoma when he was on here. He loves Tallahassee. But, you know, obviously, if you're a head coach, you need to take two quarterbacks every year, whether it's a, a prep guy and a transfer, two prep guys, whatever it looks like. Um, but, you know, Mike Norvell, uh, my favorite part, uh, A.J. Duffy, he just came back from an official visit to, or I don't know if it was official, but he visited Michigan State. And people are like, all right, so he's not committing for a while now. And then on Kenny Dillingham's birthday, he commits to Florida State, and he said he wanted to do it on Kenny Dillingham's birthday. Really cool. I'm pretty sure that was uh, Mike Norvell's top target. Huge get for Florida State, and hopefully Nico stays on as well. Yeah, no doubt, because you definitely want to bring two guys. You definitely want to um, keep that quarterback room you know, stocked. So um, definitely good news for Florida State. Hopefully the news continues to keep rolling in a positive light and uh you know all the way up until labor day weekend and we beat notre dame so you know i'm not catholic <laughs> but they are so maybe it'll maybe it'll work um all right i think that's all we got for tonight coach brooke niles on at the beginning if you're still tuning in and watching this go check her interview out it was really really good just rewind it and you'll be set she was fantastic to to uh start the show good luck to all of the uh, all the Florida State sports that are competing in championships um, over the next month, we talked about uh, soccer, beach volleyball, women's tennis uh, are all competing. Who did I just leave out? I left somebody out. Beach volleyball, soccer, and women's tennis. No, maybe that's it. Uh, softball and baseball, obviously, still going. Oh, golf, both golf teams. So, um, good luck to all of the FSU programs that are competing for championships right now, and then baseball and softball still keeping their. Uh, season's going and season's strong there. So all that said, I think that was a good episode. Oh, and then Paul Aloisi came on and, and joined us too. So both both really good interviews. Enjoyed catching up with them. Um, and stay tuned for who the next uh, coach or former FSU legend 
coming on the pod is the fries are staying hot. So, uh, Richie, I don't know who had the song last, but uh, you you have a song for us or Harlan? Do you want to come in? Did you take the song Harlan on a uh, welcome no, back? I, I, I took I took welcome back for Coach Sue welcoming her back. So I'll, I'll let you or Harlan uh, pick this one up. That's right, Harlan, our producer. You can even tell that internet's a little bit janky down there. He's not as crystal clear <laughs> as Richie is, but but he's back good enough to uh, to do the pod with us and be back on a regular basis. We had Paul going zoomed in, zoomed out, zoomed, like doing this like a million times because Harlan and I were both <laughs> running the controls. But uh, Harlan, welcome back. What uh, what song are we playing to get out of here? Um, let's do um, You Know Me, Baseball. Let's do the baseball song by Corey Smith. FSU won their series this weekend against Troy, so – had a pitcher hit a run homer, so let's do that. Did they, come, they came back today. They were losing for a lot yeah, of the game. Was it four right? two? I think. Yep, four to two. Man, I didn't do a baseball recap because I didn't see who won that, and I just figured <laughs> they lost, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to uh, say that they lost the series yeah. to Troy. So congrats they, they to them. Were, they were down Sorry. early. Hare hit a home run, and then uh, started the rally. Sheesh, you bring the baseball guy on, and Richie starts talking all the stick ball. So congrats to the um, women's, uh, softball. They they beat uh, North Carolina State in their series three to one as well. So. I did know that one, but uh, okay. I'm out of breath and uh, out of time. So Harlan, get us out of here and play that song and we'll see you guys. I don't think we're doing anything middle of the week this week, but who knows if another coaching legend wants to come on, then we'll do a pop-up, but otherwise, man, we'll see you guys on Sunday. Go Knowles. The first thing I remember is the game that I love. A man on a diamond with the golden glove Daddy with me in the cheap seats above saying boy keep your eye on the ball The crack of the bat The stadium's roar We were up on our feet for the tie-breaking score I said daddy I know what you brought me here for He said good I hoped you'd hear the call Life's a fast Coming right down the middle Don't stand there and let it go by Swing hard and aim for the stands My field of dreams was covered in stone An old gravel parking lot next to all Dead on the mound until the daylight was gone Saying, boy, keep your Cause it's hay batter, hay batter, swing batter, swing The world is an infield always chattering If you don't concentrate, they'll spoil your timing And you'll walk away cussing them all Life's a fastball, belt high Coming right down the middle Don't stand there and let it go Stands and thank God for your fame. 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 Dead through party when I got the call all the years on the farm team finally paid off now I'm in the big leagues aiming for the fall every summer's a long playoff run as I walk to the plate I look in the stands I see myself and I see my old man Hear my family and all of my friends cheering, boy, keep your eye on the ball. It's a fastball, belt high, coming right down the middle. I'm gonna mail one to the grandstands, good glory, this one's for the fans, for the fans. Thank God for the fame.